Hello and welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and today I sit down with Danielle Torado Green. Last week we sat down with Danielle's husband, Alex, and he gave us his perspective on their move abroad, so the two of them got married just months before moving to Germany. And I would say whereas Alex talks us more through the micro level of things, so what went into their choices and how their life has gone this past year, Danielle really talks us more through the macro level of things, so what's happening on a national and international scale that's influencing her personal choices and her decisions for the future. So we do talk about some more detailed things like the cost of living or, you know, job hunting, grocery shopping, apartment hunting, that's a big one. But things started taking a turn when we began talking about the different social systems that exist here in Germany versus elsewhere that she has experienced, including, of course, the United States, where she's from. We got onto talking about how the existence or lack of existence of different social systems, like for instance, maternity leave and, and different family oriented. Uh, systems can influence an individual's decision to have biological children or not, when to have them, where to have them. And from there, we get on to all sorts of things. So for anyone listening in the future, uh, Danielle moved abroad about one year into the Trump presidency. So America's going through a tough time right now. You know, there's a lot of disagreeing parties trying to come together and figure out, you know, what America as a whole is and what what we want. And it's just, it's tense. I think that's fair to say. I think everyone would agree it's tense. It's confusing. Um, and Danielle admits to having, having a tough time with this. Uh, she's sort of grappling with this background of like the American way that she's grown up being told of. Um, so she actually has a hard time not villainizing America and not idealizing Germany and putting Germany on some kind of pedestal. So I think a lot of people might think it might be the other way around, you know, putting Germany as a villain and America as, as the, the savior on the pedestal. But, but for Danielle these days, it's really, really the other way around. And um, she talks to us about what it's like trying to work through all those complicated feelings, you know, was it worth it to move abroad to avoid political discomfort? All these kind of really sticky, complicated things. We talk about feminism, we talk about the validity of a two-party system, we talk about staying connected with loved ones back home when you're going through this whole sort of identity crisis. It's, it's a lot of bigger topics and I think it's just super fascinating. So I'm really excited to share it with you. Part two of our newlywed series, this is Danielle's point of view. My name is Danielle. Um, a lot of people call me Danny. I am a 25-year-old expat living in Freiburg, Germany. I teach English, French, and I do a bit of tour guiding in the Black Forest. I'm from the Atlanta metro area. So do you want to track us through how you get from Atlanta area to being a teacher in Freiburg? I have been very interested in Germany for years now, and that was even before I made actual plans to come to Germany. Did something we, like kick off that interest? I have a very conservative family, and they're all very traditional. And I, on the other hand, was the rebellious middle child of my family. <laughs> um, I was always intrigued by travel and maps and any kind of foreign film or foreign cartoons. I think I started saying like, you know what, I'm gonna move to Germany when I'm older, you know, like, I think I was very much a rebel in trying to, you know, rub against the very traditionalist, very patriotic attitudes that I was always around. It grew into something more serious and something that actually led me here when I was in college. So I studied English and French literature 
For my honors thesis, I decided to focus on post-war French cinema, which of course involved Germany in some way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I've always had like a pretty close relationship to the French language, to the French culture in a way. I never had that with German. And so I, I really wanted to experience that before I went and got my master's degree, which I knew would involve that kind of research again. So were you interested in coming to Freiburg then because the Alsace region is nearby? So for anyone that doesn't know, that's the region of currently France, that um, it's a little strip of cities that depending on where you travel in time were Germany <laughs> or they were France. So you can go there and see German writing on the building from, I don't know, the 15th century, even though since then it's been France and then Germany and France and Germany. And so it's, just, it's really where the two cultures overlap and meet. Like, so is that what brought you to Freiburg? Well, if I have to be completely honest, it was work that officially brought me here. But I only really looked for work in Western Germany because I wanted to be so close to France and to feel like, because my German is just schlecht. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful, awful. And I wanted to, you know, be able to, you know, go to France on a weekend and feel at home at least, be able to talk to strangers <laughs> and not look like a complete idiot. And that was a big motivator for me in my job search. But I also was really intrigued by the filming sites of these films that I'd been writing on. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was drawn more to these places that I had already been writing about. Yeah. So. Okay, okay. So this is <laughs> this is how you ended up in Freiburg. And yeah. your job that you got was teaching English, right? And was that what you yeah. wanted to be doing? Was that your plan when you came over here? Yes. I mean, it started out with two classes a week. And I was making 25 euros for each of those classes. And so I was basically peeing my pants. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I dragged my new husband out here and he's got a broken leg now what's really amazing is that we were walking down the main street we walked by the german american institute and we we're like oh do you think that they're that they have teachers here like huh. do you think they offer english classes we should apply for jobs here and so we wandered in there was an employee and we're like oh um sprechen sie english and he's like oh yeah i'm american uh we're like, this is fantastic. Tell us about this place. And so he gave us this mini tour of the institute and we were able to contact the person who's in charge of classes and hiring teachers. And that worked out perfectly. It was such a weird, fortuitous moment. It was the answer to all of the emails that didn't have answers right. <laughs> to them. I had no so, idea that you guys literally stumbled across we, this. I mean... Without the actual stumbling, it was like... <laughs> I don't know, the streets are We looked down, and there was a beautiful shell and the sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're saving so much money because the quality of life here is so great for so cheap. Mm -hmm. I, I will have a hard time buying vegetables anywhere else just because yes. it's so cheap here. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I... That's like such an underrated thing. Grocery shopping here is great. First off, the stores are tiny. Yeah. It's wonderful. You can't stand there agonizing about which brand of cheese to get because one might be 20 cents cheaper. There's like two choices. Yeah. So all that stress <laughs> is gone and everything's pretty reasonably priced. I mean, avocados are still expensive because it's avocados, but all of the produce is cheap and it's not organic, but it's very good quality. 
Yeah. You can buy organic, and even that's not outrageously overpriced. Yeah, it's not um, like six bucks an apple, you know? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I just today saw a picture of someone, they bought a sliced mango at Whole Foods for $6.30. I'm mad about it. It has nothing to do with it. It's some stranger on Instagram. I'm like mad because I'm like, you could buy a mango for like... 60 cents here probably i don't know i've never bought a mango here but it's i can't it's not that expensive and you can slice it yourself and it's going to be just as good quality as this nonsense that whole foods is selling so here here cost of living is fantastic yeah absolutely the health care we i haven't had to go to the doctor yet i mean that could change before we leave um here in september Everything here just seems like society's here to take care of you. You're here to take care of them too. It's it's such a different attitude than what I've been used to. And Alex said you lived in France first. And Tell I couldn't really like, it's hard to explain because it's not like I was ever established there like I am here. I was never like renting an apartment. It was always kind of like moving from place to place. It was almost like window shopping mm-hmm. in a way. But yeah, I mean, I was I was there for quite some time. And then I came back and finished because I'd gotten my associate's degree before I went to France and improved my French and so you ate a lot there, of baguettes. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't there as like a study abroad. This was just like no, you just no. were like, I'm yeah. going to France now. And then you we're did. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. And yeah, it was a fantastic experience. But again, I never really got to make myself part of society like I have here in Freiburg. I mean, I was really young too. I was 20. So that's a big difference too if you're really young and you're going to a foreign country a lot of people just kind of want to do cheap stuff you know or free stuff and you're not really eating any of the local food or any of the specialties because you want to save money but now that you know i'm working and with a husband that also loves to indulge from time to time he's <laughs> he's making me better about breaking out of my frugal shell yeah so we've been able to experience so much here and eat <laughs> eat well <laughs> try the local wines and beers and it's it's just awesome yeah yeah what a way to kick off newlywed life too i mean of all the <laughs> first years of marriage <laughs> yeah and you know what's funny like we didn't have a honeymoon. I mean, we'd been living together for six months before we got married. We didn't have an official honeymoon. We went to New York maybe a day after we got married. I can't wow. remember if it was a day or two. For us, we had a three-minute ceremony in a park somewhere, and my <laughs> brother was the officiator. A lot of people in my family were very supportive, but just kind of like, man, she's the crazy one. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're not about yeah. to, you know, do the whole, like, marriage house kids before 30 deal it's oh, not necessarily yeah. the plan it's marriage move abroad don't buy a house go to grad school this exactly kind of adventure you know what this reminded me of though we should talk about your apartment situation oh yeah that's been fascinating mm. so when you got here where did you live at first so we lived in airbnb in frankfurt for two weeks huh. while we were waiting for my interviews to start here in freiburg we waited out there in this really beautiful rooftop Airbnb. I don't know how much it was, but it was pretty decently priced for the two weeks that we were because on Airbnb, and I'm not sure if this is in every case, but I'm pretty sure most people will give you a discount if you book a big chunk of time rather than, you know, just a couple nights. Then we went to Freiburg, another Airbnb, which has been fantastic. Like totally recommend Airbnb for people that are first starting out in a foreign country. It's 
so easy to communicate and a lot of people use it. Yeah, we stayed close to town and we stayed there for six months. And then... Wait, you're allowed to stay in an Airbnb for... Oh, yeah, this was... Yeah, that's a good question you brought up. Um, So the guy there was basically renting out a room. And we were like, hey, could we make this permanent? Is that allowed? And he's like, oh, absolutely. All you have to do is sign... um, In German, it's an Untermietvertrag. Sublet. Exactly. It's like a sublet lease, yeah. That was was very nice. It worked out pretty well for us. I mean, the roommates were okay. (laughs) They were really fun at times. And then other times it felt we weren't really meshing well just because our German was shite and... (laughs) When their friends come over, it's, you know, big German party and you don't want to be, you don't want to be the one that forces everyone to speak English, you know? So we kind of avoided social situations a little bit for that. And that was kind of hard. So if anyone's listening and they're planning to go to a country where they don't know the language, that's something to be aware of. You want to make sure that you're being social in some way and because that can be kind of hard at times. Yeah, you gotta. It's it's gonna be really challenging, and you're gonna feel like an idiot a lot. But you have yeah. to push through it because otherwise, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you just don't get to talk to people, and you're not gonna improve. Yeah. You're not gonna have, you know, a friend group or anything. Yeah. So, so then what happened after the six months? So in the Airbnb, we were not necessarily kicked out. I mean, that sounds kind of violent for what it actually was. <laughs> the landlord was moving back into the apartment, and so everybody had to go. So we're like, we need something cheap. And so we found this place in Au, which is like two cities down from Freiburg. And it's just cows and countryside and it's cute. It was very easy to feel isolated there. Mm-hmm. Um, we stayed there for a couple months because to our surprise, we weren't allowed to register the address at the Burgeramt. And you have to do that legally. I'm yeah, sure you've so, talked about that already. Um, I don't know if we have, in case we haven't. So in Germany, you're legally required when you move somewhere to register with the town hall that you mm-hmm. live there. Yeah. And that's where you um, then sign up for your trash service. You get an official like welcome to X town packet of information and things like that. And um, you also have to deregister when you leave again. So this is how they distribute the um, the taxes based on population. So in the states, you're supposed to do that when you leave a certain state, but um, it's it's not. I don't think it's required. Maybe it's required, but people don't do it. So you were not allowed to register with town hall in this apartment. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. So the people we were staying with were also renters themselves. And in their contract, it said that they weren't allowed to sublet. And so we eventually were able to find a place just uh, just in town, really. It's brilliant. I love it. It's close to everything. It's got a, it's got a grocery store right behind the building. And, and we love our roommates. They're also English teachers. So the, the social aspect of it's really nice as well. Although our German, you know, isn't improving necessarily. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> so do you also, so Alex mentioned he's interested in coming back to Germany and specifically to Freiburg mm-hmm. after. Do you also feel that way? Oh, yeah. 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 We talk about, well, I mean, we have, you know, daydreams about moving all kinds of places almost every day. Right. <laughs> um, but in any kind of serious consideration we've given to future places where we possibly raise a child, Germany is just is fantastic and 
the policies, the women-friendly and the family-friendly policies they have in Germany are so tempting. I mean, like, they, I've, we've always planned to, like, adopt a child because in America, it's like, you're, it's lose-lose for women. If you don't have a child and you just work all your life, people will judge you for it. Or, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, people will judge you for that too. Or if you're a working mother, there are kind of obstacles that keep you from progressing really far in your career. Or, I mean, it's just hard in general to manage that lifestyle because workplaces don't make it easy. But in Germany, it seems like that is taken into consideration and they value women's work and their ambitions and and with fathers as well they give paternity leave and honestly like even though i don't have children and i'm not entirely sure if i will have biological children ever it's still it creates this atmosphere of respect that i feel here and i feel more free to make decisions in ways that i didn't even feel at all in america hmm. so it's kind of crazy that is wild. It's, it's yeah. so bizarre to be like, I feel more comfortable somewhere where I don't fully know the culture, where I don't speak the language, you know, yeah. where it's also foreign <laughs> still, but that is more comfortable than what you're faced yeah. with. I mean, I, coming from America and looking at something like having a child, I mean, I've worked in companies where they don't have a policy for mm-hmm. maternity leave. The policy is then don't have a kid. Yeah, exactly. Find another job. Yeah, and I previously was looking at academia, and they're like, oh man, if you have a child, and you take even a year off, and you want to get a tenure-track job, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll take a lot of, you know, recuperating, a lot of publishing to basically, you know, correct the problem. And it's so weird to refer to that as a problem. Right, correct you know? the problem. Exactly, Ugh. yeah. To have a child, yeah, that shouldn't be viewed like that, but it totally can be. And it's yeah. not everywhere, and I think it is, in some ways, it, it it's working towards getting better in the States. Yeah. Um, I do know that a lot of women will say that it's hard to find childcare when they're all ready to go back to work. There is a bit of a shortage of that, yeah. but in, in Germany, you get Kindergeld, which means <laughs> child money, so every child just gets 300 euros, I think it is, a month. Oh, wow. For existing. I and mean, it goes to the parents, right? And it's yeah, yeah. to help support um, all the expenses. Yeah. But things like that. And it's pretty amazing, too. I mean, like, people here don't, they would never even think to complain about that because you're taking care of a child and you're making sure that they're growing into well-adjusted human beings. But in America, the idea that you would pay taxes on something like that is just... Oh, you yeah, know, like, yeah, it wouldn't. It's it's a non-starter for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can't steal my money. I earned it. You know, this is going to be the silliest question to ask. Do you miss living in America? <laughs> oh God, um, I think there are things that I miss about America, but they aren't things that I couldn't experience on a visit there. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the way I feel about. But other countries that I visited, like I visited Costa Rica for two weeks. I was like, oh, this is great. I would never live here, but there's some fun things to do, <laughs> some good food. And I feel that way about America at this point, which is super weird. I mean, I lived my, the first 24 years of my life there. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't, I, I look at it now. I mean, given the political situation as well, it doesn't help. Like I look at it kind of like the older sibling that's addicted to drugs, you know, <laughs> like I love you. I care about you. I want the best for you, but I gotta, I gotta put some distance between us for a while. 
you know, get some help. Yeah. <laughs> I support you when you're ready to look for treatment. Yeah, um, exactly. But I can't beat the addiction for you. Yeah, I vote for you to get some help. And yep. <laughs> you have to want that help. Right, yeah. There's a certain truth for it. The thing too, I get kind of passionate about it just because I studied so much of like 20th century history. I I also studied a lot of like the Black Lives Matter movement too. And so I try to focus on policies that help all races and, you know, genders and, you know, things like that. And it is weird to think about, like, there is a big portion, and I wouldn't say the majority even, like, I couldn't say that definitely the majority of America is not libertarian, right? But I would say, I I don't know if I could say the majority is even conservative at this point, because it's such a weird spectrum that exists now. Yeah, but a lot of conservatism is really big, and also... It's conservatism for America. So I've yeah. sort of come to realize recently that... Um, it's its own brand. It's its own brand. <laughs> and like even liberal liberal Americans are sort of on equal footing, I think, with like conservative the conservative party in Germany. Yeah. So what I've heard a lot of people complain about, oh, um, Angela Merkel or the CDU, mm-hmm. her party, you know, they're just too conservative for me. <laughs> when I look at their policies, I think they're pretty liberal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that those policies in America would pass as Democrats. They would be Democrats. So even, I would say the majority of America is conservative because even most of the liberal values are leaning more towards conservatism. Conservatism? Conservativism. (laughs) One of those, probably. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's interesting to watch in Germany, though, because they are starting to face how to handle racism and Islamophobia Mm -hmm. in their own country because it's, um, with the refugee crisis, so many moving here in 2015 and now integration being underway, a lot of people's biases are coming out or people's reactions to different events are um, conflicting with other people's reactions to those same events. Um, So it's not to say that these things don't exist here, but there is a different approach. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting coming at it as uh, from the perspective of a woman too, because in some ways Germany is way advanced with feminism. I mean, they've had a woman running the country for over a decade. Um, but then in other ways, there's I've experienced a lot of different forms of sexism here, but oh. still sexism. Uh, versus in the states, there's a lot of power, like a woman empowerment movement and efforts towards equal pay and things like this but then also there's sort of some kind of disconnect between these like sort of grassroots or bottom-up movement versus top-down i think germany is maybe working a little bit more top-down oh okay how do you think what do you think well that's i mean that's a really interesting way to look at it and i guess in my experience i've been looking at it a bit differently more so in kind of temperature taking the general attitude towards women and not what they can get away with, essentially, but what they can get away with. (laughs) That's not what I want to say, but it conveys enough of what I mean. And in America, I I think you can judge how far you've come with women empowerment based on how hostile people are about very minor things, such as working while you have a child. I mean, these are things that people do every day, things people have to do. Some people don't have to do it, but want to. And it's almost like there's this very black and white mentality in America about just very minor things, not even the big things like abortion laws, um, where that gets more complicated. But here in Germany, it just seems like it's this huge gray area. 
nobody's too preoccupied with it. They're just, you know, women are people. They mm -hmm. have their own ambitions. They also want families. Let's all work together, make sure that everybody's happy, everybody's contributing, everybody's valuing each other's efforts. And to me, that's that's been the biggest thing I've noticed here in Germany. Like not even in France, really. I didn't even notice that in France. Like Germany to me is almost like its own unique animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you also, you want to live abroad permanently, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you think it takes to make that kind of life possible? Definitely the humility to acknowledge that you don't know everything and the way that you have looked at life and the way that you have been taught about life is not the one right answer to everything. People live very different lives. And even though I've met a lot of people in Germany that think and talk like I do and things like that, there are there are things that I kind of put Germans on a pedestal for where I kind of demonize Americans and I try not to do that too much. But I mean, I left America at a time where I was really frustrated with it. And so I kind of have to look back and be like, you know, I mean, you guys, you're okay. You're doing the best you can. <laughs> you know, like, and so I, I'm kind of the reverse where I'm not coming to Germany thinking the American, you know, the American mentality is the right way. And I'm going to try to impose it in maybe even subconscious ways on people. Um, I mean, I've never had any kind of arguments with Germans about how life should be. You know? mm -hmm. And that could be because that's just not who I am. But I tend to think that I'm a very passionate person. I will you know, speak up when I disagree about something. Yeah, I mean, I think if you are an American and you're not happy with the political situation right now, and you think that going to a foreign country is going to make your life better, I'm going to say it will to a degree. And and I, like, that's not the answer people expect, but it it really will. Like, you will feel much better about your day-to-day -day life. You'll feel more secure in a way. You feel like you can dodge a lot of the flames that are being shot at, you know, from both sides of the political party system. And it also ramps up your anxiety in different ways of like, okay, well, I have loved ones over there and I'm thinking, my mentality is developing on a whole different branch of the same tree and they're growing in the other direction. And so it's sometimes harder to communicate with your loved ones or sometimes it's even more intimidating to go back to your home country. Um, so that's something to always think about when you're planning to go abroad. Um, you could come back a very different person. And you have to be able to juggle the emotions and the stress that comes with that. Definitely. That's a, such a good point. So when I was preparing to move abroad... I was thinking, you know, it's not going to be any strain on my relationships. I live yeah. far away from most of my friends anyway. You know, it'll just be a time difference. Um, and what I didn't factor in is exactly what you're pointing out. It, it changes you and mm -hmm. in turn, your choices change how other people approach you and think about you. So it's not, we live in a technologically advanced society. I can talk to my family and friends back home anytime. That's not the issue, the communication. It's more how to maintain the emotional closeness as you make these changes. And that's tough. I think that's definitely great 
to point out to keep in mind because it's not it's not the challenge that I think people think that they're getting the yeah exactly for oh yeah I understand what you mean though it's hard not to be disillusioned by things currently in America but I'm distance makes the heart grow fonder it's definitely (laughs) easier to stomach a lot of current events when you're a step removed yeah but also to talking to Germans about the political situation in America has made me look at it maybe with a more open mind as well. Um, Of course, I haven't met any Trump fans over here. (laughs) I mean, really no fans of anyone, but definitely not Trump fans. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty hard to find here. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Um, Or if they are, they're probably facetious about it, trying to be funny. (laughs) But yeah, just the way that they pretty much view the whole system. They're just like, I don't know why America hasn't changed this two-party system yet. Like here, it's so different and it works for us. And I mean, maybe there are people that disagree with that, but it's just not as crazy here (laughs) with elections. And I mean, I look at America, it's just a little bit embarrassing, like the way people treat each other when you have a different label, you know? What's one thing that you've learned from living here right now that you would like to share with America? Like if you could just have a <laughs> megaphone right now and say something that, that was really going to land in the minds of a bunch of Americans, what piece of wisdom or food for thought or anything, what, what do you think oh. is an important thing that we should be thinking about and talking about? Oh, God. What a small question. It's so easy. You don't have a quick answer? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, I think mine might be, really, I never thought about the weirdness of a two-party system before I moved on. You're taught that it's a two-party system. You're Mm -hmm. taught that other places do it differently. The good guys, bad guys. Yeah, Yeah. but I never really really considered that, hey, we could have it a different way, and that might be good. Yeah. Until I moved here, and that was a question that a lot of people had for me. Like, what? So how do you, how do you think, (laughs) what do you think about the two-party system? And I was like, oh, oh. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe I should think about that. So that might be mine is I would I would share that with people like, let's think about this. Is this working for us? Do we need to stick to it? What if we opened ourselves up to the possibility of not just black or white? Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, this has something to do with being black and being white, literally. Like I, I look, I watch the news every day. I follow a lot of prominent figures and human rights movements on Facebook. And I'm just seeing so much suffering every day. And a lot of it comes from like a very tribalist mentality or just being very divisive in general from the roots of an ideology to the leaves. And I think what America needs right now, I mean, the whole world really, is to kind of value community while not at the expense of your individuality because a lot of cultures will place emphasis on being your own person having your own ambitions going for your own dreams don't base your life on someone else and you don't have to do that i mean these are things that you don't have to sacrifice to have a great community you know and i think i'm seeing that a little bit here in freiburg and yeah i'm sure there are problems here or there even political divisiveness sorry divisiveness that is crawling around but it's not parading so to speak and right now in america it's it's getting to the point that i don't see empathy hardly ever 
on the internet or even between family members. It's, it's kind of disheartening a bit. And it kind of, that's another reason why I'm kind of scared to go back to America is because like, I don't want to be caught up in that ocean of chaos. Mm. So yeah, I mean, Empathy. there you have it. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Okay, well, let's turn to some lighter questions. Yeah. We're going to yeah. go to the ending round, <laughs> the round I called Zack, Zack, Zack. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Just answer right away. Don't think, don't overthink. They're not that tough. That last question was my last tough question. I hope. No worries. Just ready. keep them coming. Right. What is your favorite drink in Germany? Ooh, Riegele Landbier. Mm. What is your favorite English snack? So, so British English. You know what's funny? I had some this morning. Huh. Uh, custard creams. And last one. What's one thing people should know about Utah? You can't steal Alex's. Ooh. There's a really interesting dynamic in Salt Lake City, just because there's a huge Mormon population in Salt Lake. And so there's a really interesting counterculture that exists there. Cool. So, yeah. Very good. <laughs> I never really thought about the counterculture to Mormonism before. <laughs> I like it. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Google Intrigued. search that later. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on the show. And there it is, part two of Newlyweds Abroad, this time sitting down with Danielle. So thank you, Danielle, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts with us. It definitely left me with a lot to think about, and I think our listeners will agree. You can find some of Danielle's original writing in Junto Magazine. I'll link to that in the show notes. And best of luck to you, Danielle, in your master's program in England and beyond. Thank you, as always, to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in podcasting and in life. Thank you to Amy Lungi Art for the logo, and thank you, Side Hug, for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. You can find us on Instagram, too, at The Expat Cast, as well as Twitter and Facebook. And you can find the show on any of the podcasting apps. If you're listening to us, you've probably figured that out. So go ahead and hit subscribe. Go ahead and leave us a rating, a review, and let us know on any of those platforms what you're thinking, what you want more of, what you thought of everything Danielle had to share. Next week on the show, we speak with an 18-year-old who decided to take a gap year between high school and college and come to Europe. So quite a big change, quite a step away from the typical American path, and she talks us through what her year in Germany has been like. Until then, Palazzo out.